Howdy, Hel- howdy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Continuous Growth Podcast with Gary Baudet and Joey T. Yes, sir. All right. So today we're going to talk about continuous growth and how to grow your organization. I think this will appeal to entrepreneurs, people who are in leadership roles, people who are in management roles or want to aspire to be a leader, want to do a startup. Um, We're just going to give you the roadmap for how to be successful. So just a little on my background. I am a professional development trainer. I've been doing that for about 15 years. Um, About five years ago, I started my own business. My background is in lean manufacturing, high performance teams, project management, continuous learning, um, and just working with large corporations on how to improve profitability and also how to prove that um, training could get real results, which is a pretty hard thing to do. Um, Joey, have you have you gone through a, a training before where um, maybe it was on soft skills or you know how to how to treat someone else, treat your coworkers? Have you ever been to one of those? Yeah, I've, I've done training at uh, my old job. It was a re- retail. And we had to do, yeah, we had to do, um, uh, it was training, but it was just watching videos on the computer and then answering (laughs) a questionnaire afterwards. So was it like customer service? Customer service. Yeah. What do you do in the situation? (laughs) Protocol. So so the situation thing is cool. I could get on board with that about decision-making, but to practice soft skills, don't you think you should... And this is kind of in general, be like working with a customer, doing a scenario, bring in like a, an actor who's a customer and have them put you in different situations. And then you have a training expert there who will kind of coach you on how you did. Yeah, I think because with the way it was done at my old job, it kind of just goes in one ear out the other. You kind of just forget. Right. You want to hurry up and do it just because you're... Check the box. Check the box, get it out of the way and get your little certificate. We're talking, yeah. we're talking about, it used to be Cragen, right? And then it yeah. got bought out by O'Reilly. Um, but I mean, so then it's about scalability. It's hard to, as a training professional, you want to make something that you could scale, but then you also want to have something effective, right? And you guys had to, my understanding is that you guys, since my father worked there, um, is you guys had to like take it during when there weren't customers like on the clock right yeah, there wasn't was on the clock there wasn't a like a designated time set aside for training it was so you could have got interrupted at any time as you were taking this online training class on customer service well yeah yeah you could it, it, we kind of set time put time aside to do it okay. like you know you'd tell whoever you need to tell your manager or whatever hey i'm gonna do my training you know i'll be in the back or whatever but you know, if things got hectic out front. You didn't. You got to go out there and help customers. Yeah. Um, so there wasn't a designated time for training. So it's kind of hard to take it serious, then, right? How important is this training? Do they really want me to improve? Or no, it was just something. Oh, check the box. You're supposed to do this, or you get written up. Just, like, okay, let like me hurry up and do it and get out of the way. So they wanted compliance, not commitment. Exactly. Yeah. Just, it's more, yeah, more to be in compliance. <laughs> yeah. So then, yeah, no wonder you can't take that very serious. No. <laughs> so something, something interesting that's came up, and I've talked to this with uh, other training professionals um, who come from Boeing, uh, training directors from the largest winery in the world, um, PhDs, and you know, um, how how many billions of dollars are spent on training, right. For these corporations. I mean, it's, it's billions of dollars. It's remarkable. So then it's, what is the return on that investment? So when you talk to the ops managers or the CEOs of business, right. And it goes like you're saying, is it compliance or do you want committed? like, so what has been coming up is the question, how do you quantify, um, soft skills training, right? So you go, Mm -hmm. you, okay, you could communicate better. How could I show the return on investment? If I'm going to spend money to, to bring out a training staff or just to, to stop working, you know, that's a cost to, to still pay for employees, but you stop a production line, say, and then you bring them into a room like you're, you're losing money, you're investing, you're still paying the people and they have to learn. So um, I've just been asked this question, um, can you even quantify or show or turn on investment on soft skills or team building? Because I'm 
my background, I'm lean manufacturer. I want results. I want to show the KPI, the OKR to show quality was this before, right? First time through percentage, right? 85%. I taught them how to do root cause analysis now, right? 87% quality. So I have a 2% gain and then I could show that metric. It's easier on, on productivity. What's the lead time? Okay. We reduced the lead time by two days. Now we can get things to our customers even faster. So mm -hmm. you have these hardcore metrics when you're implementing lean principles and tools. Say, what was the day supply of inventory then? What is it now? Um, what is my pieces per labor hour now? What is my OEE on my equipment? So it's very tangible, hard, hard, concrete data that's really easy to sell. But a lot of right now, um, I love doing all this lean training. They always ask me, hey, could you also do soft skills training? Like, yeah, that's my background. I started doing that, but I'm real excited about lean. Could we, you know, you know, I've merged the two together. So I have this new program, but soft skills, soft skills, soft skills, that keeps coming up. And then the second question is like, okay, um, you know, this is usually an HR manager at a large corporation. They're like, okay, we want soft skills. And they kind of help me sell this to ops because ops, they want all the, the lean training because they want, you know, to, to improve those metrics that are more just concrete. So could you help me quantify it so I could sell it to the ops? So I get that question. Hmm. So I have a short answer is yes, you can. And there's much debate about this. So even me having a short answer is like putting it out there. Um, so one way of doing it is, okay, this is, here's kind of the schools of thought, Joey, is at the end of a soft skills training, like how is my business better now that people just learn how to communicate with each other, how to resolve conflicts, how to public speak? Like, what does that, what does that do? Um, one school of thought is, well, you really can't quantify it. So you give everyone a survey at the end and see how they like the training to see if training was effective or not. Yeah. So I'm like, mm, that's more about the, the trend. Like to me, that's, I don't like that answer. And I know there's some people who are going to argue with me, but, um, I think the ultimate thing is, well, is your profits better now? Right. So yeah, quantify. That's what it boils down yeah, to, like really. And then it's going to get into, I've had this conversation with a few different PhDs and it's a really good conversation is, I mean, um, okay, so there's other, there's so many variables that happen in a company. Like how, how could you prove that that communication training was a result of a sales increase? So really you have to do it for multiple apartment departments, multiple shifts. You have to track whatever variables, whatever deviated, did a new product come out at that same time? I mean, so there's a lot that goes into it. You just yeah. have to track it and then you have mm -hmm. to look at could I, could I correlate this training and maybe it's multiple trainings and maybe the training, uh, you won't get results right away, but it'll take some practice. And right. So just to be able to quantify it. But what I did with use soils, the eight step program, um, I quantified each one of those. That's, this is the new, the new news, Joey, that, that I've been, <laughs> that I've been doing as I've, uh, and I've, I've, uh, sold this package to do different large companies and they were super excited about it. I'm super excited about it. So I wanted to wait until we we're live on the air to break some of the, the good news to you. So you can talk about it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Cool. Because I was going to bring it up, but I wasn't sure if it was like, <laughs> hush, hush, don't say nothing. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the cool thing is for uh, you, so I'll go into, yeah, I made, uh, this is the, the KPI, the metric, the business metric that it, you should be looking at for the improvement for it. So that I hit a home run, uh, say with the largest winery, uh, in the world and people could look that up. I don't want to say the name, but in that case, um, but this is something that they've been looking for to help quantify it, to, to wrap things together. So what you soils is it's a eight step roadmap for continuous improvement. Mm -hmm. Um, the problem I was trying to solve with it was, um, really just looking at the, the trainees first, because at the end of the day, like what are the trainees getting value? If they're just asked to, to check the box on stuff, it's, it's not meaningful for me. I don't, I don't get energy for that. So they're getting, I think, and I'm speaking real general, but the large companies that I've been working with, and then I talk to the trainees to the, from the shop floor to the CEOs when I'm just, you know, trying to gauge what the training needs are there. They get so much thrown at them, like just for lean. They're like, it used to be called lean. 
Now it's continuous improvement. So this is this something new? Now I have to learn project management, which is agile. Now I have high performance teams. Now I have this Shingo behavioral, and then I have AME. I mean, it just seems like there's all these things being thrown at them. There's a lot, yeah. It's like flavor of the month. Now I have to learn something new. So me doing all these types of trainings for so long, I'm like, they complement each other so well. I need to connect these dots so it's not so overwhelming to the individuals, to the learners. Like all these things, they're hitting on different points, but it's all part of the same program. So one's like, well, what's that program? So what I what I did was, I have to show you this, Joey. I think it happened in this one. Well, I'll show everyone. So <clears throat> I was thinking of what are the things I have to show someone? Like, how do I be successful? So based off of all the things that I were experiencing is, wow, companies, don't they don't understand externally. They don't understand what's going on outside in the world. I think of my Blockbuster example. They... They didn't think of, you know, what Netflix was doing, but ultimately they weren't thinking about what adds value to their customers. So they weren't understanding their customers. Um, otherwise, they would have started mailing DVDs in the mail like Netflix did. They only wanted to beat their competitor, Hollywood Video. They weren't keeping their eyes on the market and and the technology that was coming towards us. Right. So I wrote that down. I said, Here, here's the things that these companies, they all have in common that they're struggling with. So understanding customers. The next thing was, and this is probably the biggest one and why I brought up all the, the type of training is sharing information with their employees. Because I hear about employee engagement, employees aren't engaged, they're not growing, they're bored. Like, yeah, because no one's talking to them. No one's going out. They're making decisions from their office um, they're telling employees what to do. They're not asking them, hey, together, how could we improve? So I'm like, all right, if we understood our customers and we got really good at sharing all that information with our employees and engaging them, then that's a great start if, if companies could do those. Then I said, all right, what's, what's next? Now, uh, the employees are engaged. So now what should those employees be doing? So the third thing I wrote down was eliminate waste. Because once you understand what your customers want, everyone's aware of it, then what doesn't add value to the customers, then stop doing everything else. It's just a waste of time. So a lot of companies, how they get in trouble is they have too much inventory or they have their employees do things that are difficult when if you change the system around, you can make them easy and make the efficiency go up, make the speed go up, you can make the quality go up, safety improve. So I was like, okay, so what else? So I'm just, I've gone to all these different companies last five years, getting themes, I'm training them. And I just felt like I kept, um, you know, just putting band-aids on stuff with training. Like what is the root cause? And could I put this in a package so employees don't feel like they have to learn six different things. So after you understand what's going on outside, you kind of understand internally what, what you want to do as a business, what are your constraints, what are your weaknesses, um, how you want to improve. Then you share all that information, you eliminate waste. After you eliminate waste, you better have standardized processes. So again, everyone's clear on how to do the things correctly and safely. So after you eliminate, then you standardize. And I said, another issue that, that keeps coming up is organizing people and organizing plans, prioritizing. Things just aren't organized. So once you standardize them, organize your people, fit them into the, the roles that they're meant to do by talking to them, continuously speaking to them, engaging them. And then you could truly do the next step, which is then you can improve. You can improve the flow. Uh, you can improve the processes. Um, and then the next one was learn. I said, if, if you could create a organization that's constantly learning, because mm -hmm. me and you, Joe, we do that. We always, what's the new thing? Uh, we learn. And it's kind of instinctive for us. But as an organization, a, a good book that I recommend is Fifth Discipline. Um, it just talks about organizational learning. What was it called? Fit discipline? The, the fifth discipline. The fifth discipline. Okay. Mm -hmm. Really good book. I've read it twice. I like the audio book too. It is, it's pretty kind of a tough read. The first time I read it, I'm like, man, there's a lot jammed in there. Um, but just creating, it's more of an environment where we could share ideas. So I don't know if it's cause we've known each other long enough, but I'm like, Joey, eh, how'd this turn out? No, I don't like it. And I'm like, all right. Yep. And I just take your word. I don't get offended. And I think why I don't get offended when, when you're honest with me is because I think you genuinely are trying to help me and 
Yeah. Right? I get that sense. You're not being negative to, no. I mean, of course we joke with each other, but I get a sense that you're trying to help. And I think when you ask me my opinion, you know that I'm trying to help you. Uh, and if, and the same, if I think you did something great, I tell, wow, that was great. So just knowing that we're honest with each other, we trust each other. So then it's easy to learn together on things because we could bounce ideas off of each other instead yeah. of, Oh, I'm going to get Joey this time. He's going to say something. I'm just waiting to knock him down off yeah, of whatever no, he says. It's for the greater good. Yeah. So ultimately. I, so how do we build it? Like, how would you then build that? Right. So me and you have it. I mean, it, we've known each other for years is that. So now someone else is going to say, Joey, come into my organization. Yeah. You know how you and Gary work together? I want all my employees to work like that. That's your challenge. Like, how mm. do you do that? That's tough, man. <laughs> yeah. Especially with people that don't. They don't see each other outside of work most of the time, you know. It's it's hard for them to build relationships like that. I think with if if everybody has the same objective, like a company goal, right, and they're all made aware of that and mm -hmm. like shown what they're actually what their purpose is in the company, you know, then everyone can kind of rally together. Yeah. Yeah, I I think it's more fun to work together. Um, have you ever worked with someone who's pretty extremely negative? Oh man, yeah. <laughs> and it's just it drains everything, right? It is. It's draining. Yeah, it get, it gets to a point where you got to tune them out. Yeah, you know, to keep your own sanity. So why do you? And, and I'm just asking questions as we're talking. Maybe you can think of one example, but just like why? Why do you think it gets to that? Why are they so negative? Like, it could be a million things, right? Something oh, at yeah. home. It, it could, could be. be some, yeah, it could be a number of things. Anything. And I think it's, they're unhappy somewhere else or something. They're trying to bring things down and they think it's like a level of, oh, look, I'm smart. I could point things out that are wrong. So, um, like, okay, that's, that's one type of being smart. Yeah. Being able to problem solve, but a lot of times they're not even trying to solve the problems. They're just pointing at problems. They're not coming. That's all up. they're looking for. It's their right. filter. Right. All, that's all they see. Right. It, whatever junk or garbage they got, it's blocking everything else out. It's unfortunate. Yeah, if we yeah. could take that block out for them and, hey, use all that brain power for spotting problems, like mm -hmm. come up with solutions with those. There's a time for that, you know? Right. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Right. But I think it's bad when it's your way of life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's a time for that, you know, to and be it, critical and problem solve. And kind of a cool rule that working on teams that, you know, like you don't hang outside out of work, so you don't really know them. So it's good to kind of come up with some ground rules on that is how we work together. So one of those ground rules is if you come up with a problem, come up with a solution. Like that's fine. You could point out a problem, but just you got to back that up with a, a solution. Yeah, that'd be something good. Yeah. So that kind of keeps people quiet sometimes. It's mm -hmm. like, dang it. Like, that's no fun. I just like pointing <laughs> out because it is. It's lazier. It's easier to do, come up with a problem. Yeah. But it does take, um, like some bravery to, to say your idea, you know, out in front yeah. of everyone else. Right. Mm -hmm. Ooh, what if it's, what if it's going to, right. But me and you, we don't, we don't, it's not brave. We're just, we got, we're at that level. So, so it's like, how do we take that and then have other people comfortable enough to share their ideas? Um, cause what I did in large group, cause here, here's something I'm sure you're going to agree with is there was um, a group of people and I asked, all right, everyone have good. This is when I was new to high performance teams and lean. I just, so I had to lead these teams. Hey, if anyone has any ideas, you know, come stand up here and, and tell us about it. Yeah, uh, right. yeah. <laughs> good luck. Because I'm like, oh, <laughs> Gary doesn't care if he stands up and talks. So everyone must be just yeah. like Gary. No, that didn't work. So I said, oh, wait a minute. Not everyone's like me. So how about, okay, small groups. We'll all sit down. So I'm not even standing up. We're all going to sit down and still share some of your ideas. Well, I'm not thinking about the team chemistry where they're like, oh, this person is always next, right? They know each other. I'm seeing multiple teams per day kind of leading them on things. Well, there's this dynamic that I'm not aware of, of, oh, this person always talks. And if I say something, they're going to be negative. So they were holding things in. And I didn't know that. So I finally learned enough to say, all right, so if you guys want to share ideas now, but I'm also going to give you a piece of paper and you could write down any ideas that you have or any thoughts that you have on this project, man, I got some of the best ideas from people who would never talk, never say anything. And I don't know why they were like that, but it could have been, you know, someone was rude to them or their ideas never got implemented. So why should they even try or they didn't, they're embarrassed, but they're, that's the method I use every time now when I'm trying to get something out of, out of a group. 
give them the freedom to either write something down and turn it in or to verbalize it. And yeah. It's just surprising. You may get some great answers or ideas from people you never would have thought. And the quiet ones, they're, they're thinking a lot. That's why, That's why they're quiet. quiet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean if I'm talking all the time? <laughs> I don't think very much. I have my moments. So um, then that, that brings to the, the last one of the eight. The seventh one I talked about was, you know, learn, learning organization. And then the last thing that I noticed from all these companies and kind of my research was uh, solving new problems. Um, it was they would get content and keep solving the same problems. So they wouldn't go out and look externally and see what other problems are out on the market. But also from a team member um, level, we would look at, uh, we would make a change, we would make an improvement, we would learn from it, kind of check what happened. And if it didn't go as planned, would give up. Like, I, that's, I'm like, no, 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 that's just a new problem. So sometimes you, you, you improve a bottleneck in one area, that's going to produce a bottleneck somewhere else. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Let's go over to that bottleneck. Let's make that improve. Um, but it was kind of, they were scared in the first place to make an improvement. And then it did work a little bit, but, oh, see, it made a problem in this area. See, it's never going to work. It's like, no, it's not about, it's not going to be perfect right away. So just willing to fail, it wasn't even a failure. It's just if something new pops up because of an improvement you made, then go address that. Go solve that one the same way. So it's interesting. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I think it's the way that people look at failure, too. Like, don't look at it as failure. Look at it as something you need to improve on. Just another hurdle that you got you to gotta jump over. Yeah, and so the last time we were talking, um, you had some ideas about some inventory management. Were you able to uh, bring any of those up, or what's going on? With uh, Maya? Yeah. No. No, just no. still not just not no. happening? I don't think that's going to happen, no. Yeah, it's a, they, they've been running things the same way since the 70s. I don't think it's ever going to change. <laughs> So you don't get a feeling that there's like a, a willingness to change or no, they're just fine. Status quo. It is what it is. They're fine the way they are. Yeah. yeah. Nothing. There's nothing there to scale. They got their clientele that they're happy with. And yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the, the model is use soils and it is for continuous growth. So <laughs> if you want to grow, you got to yeah, use it. If you don't want to grow, <laughs> don't, which, don't bother. Don't, yeah. But also, like, if you're not growing, if you're not moving, you know, you're someone else is. You're right. dying. If you're not learning, you're dying. There's technology. There's things that can overtake. But um, yeah, everyone's different. You know, it's a if someone has a private business and they're fine with only lasting a few years, and then everyone's different. But I would definitely oh, recommend yeah. trying to grow. I would too. It makes sense to me. Yeah. But. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll share some of the other news is um, when I went in to share the USOILS program um, and I made it into the program is I teach the principles to leadership teams um, and then I let them teach it back to me and I coach them. Because in long term, I want them to teach it back to their employees. So it's a way of scaling it. Um, because some of these companies are large, and I cannot teach it to all of their employees. But I certify um, the employees. Uh, I certify some leadership. And then what happens there is they go on, teach it to their team members. So I, I give them the content. Um, it's online. Uh, interactive and they kind of facilitate the training. So, so it's something that you give a certification for. Yes. Okay. And then, so that's going to be accessible to the population. Anyone who wants to go and get certified in this, they could start teaching it. Yeah. So, um, I think what, what the larger companies are going, going through is, yeah, just, they want to enroll all this stuff and do soft skills and lean and then agile and then all these different things. But now they could say, Hey, what we're doing is we're doing a program called use soils, right? And within use soils, 
there's different classes that we're going to learn. Um, and that what we're going to teach you is you need to understand your external customers, understand your internal customers. We're going to work on communication, which is, you know, sharing information and speaking properly, the S and U soils. We're then going to eliminate waste. And the third step, the fourth step is we're going to standardize our processes. Our fifth step is we're going to teach everyone how to be organized, which is project management. Then after we do that, the sixth step, we're going to teach everyone how to improve flow. That's when you implement just in time. Um, we're looking at doing value stream maps. Uh, and then after we improve, we're going to then learn. We're going to do different trials, come up with different ideas. And then the last step is problem solving and solving new problems. So instead of having all these different silos of training content and training programs, it's just we're doing the use soils. And within that, it's going to touch on project management, standardized work, leadership skills, uh, lean process improvement, uh, culture, how to communicate. So I've just been doing all these things in silos for so many years. I'm like, there's got to be a way to put them all together into one program that just improves a business, improves a department, and then also improves individual skills. So that was the game plan. Okay. So... <clears throat> Instead of now doing it online, I, I do have some online, but some of the software out there is pretty awesome where, like you mentioned, scenarios before. And I think that's the coolest thing is to have different scenarios. Um, do you have like a favorite teacher or favorite boss that you've had? Just someone who was kind of like a leader or someone who taught, whether it's a, yeah, from a school standpoint or from a, a, a work standpoint? Um. Actually, no, I can't say that I have, to be honest with you. Nobody that really sticks out. I think I've taken pieces from each one. Mm -hmm. You know, there's taking the good. So what are some of the one. things that kind of stand out? Like if someone's trying to teach you something or like on the job training, like what were their, some of their behaviors, you think? One that sticks out for me, like with my current boss is he's not, he's not scared to get down and, mm. and get his hands dirty. Right. You he doesn't know? think he's above no, anything. No, not at all. And so I, I respect that a lot about him. Mm -hmm. That's something, cause that's something I, I admire, you know, mm -hmm. he's the owner of the company, but he's still pulling parts and making Just deliveries. Like he's still, he's still in the field, like getting his hands dirty. So to me, that's, so he goes and he goes yeah. to the actual workplace. He doesn't make decisions. For yeah. He's not just sitting at a desk all yeah. day and mm -hmm. calling shots. Mm -hmm. So it's cool to see that. That's awesome. So I, I had this sixth grade teacher. When I think of the best teachers ever, I think of my sixth grade teacher at Teal. Did you go to Teal? Uh, for a couple of years, yeah. A couple, a couple yeah. Of years. Um, his name was Mr. Ewick. And know. he, yeah, uh, yeah, I think, yeah. I'm only like a year or two older. But yeah, um, he was a retired police officer. And when someone thinks of like great teachers, I think of him. Um, and then I looked back and then I thought a little deeper. I'm like, why? So I answered this, why he was, but also I'm like, wow, I got straight A's in his class. <clears throat> and in high school, I didn't, I didn't always get straight A's. There was yeah. sometimes I was like getting 2.3 and I just was not engaged with, with the content. But what I thought of Mr. Ewick is what he would do. There's these things called laser disc. I don't know if you ever heard of laser disc, but oh, it was yeah. before DVD. So he got this one, um, it was called like something, a picnic sickness where someone, so we watched this laser disc and we would, we would get to choose like different options. So it's about a picnic where someone gets uh, food poisoning at a picnic. And then you were like a private investigator. And we did this as a class and we had to vote on like what option that we wanted. So it's like, all right, do you want to go interview the doctor? Do you want to go interview the, the people who did the test? Do you want to interview the person who got sick? Do you want to interview um, the people who packed the food for the picnic? Do you want to interview the people who made the sandwiches? Um, so we got to choose and follow different paths to get to the root cause of, of the problem. So the ability to make decisions and to actually think, um, that, was, that was really fun. Um, did when we're learning science, he like made in our classroom. He, I don't know how he did it, but it looked like a bunch of the black garbage bags that he filled up with air. So you would walk inside, and it, our whole 
classroom was blacked out. Like you're in a big old inflatable <laughs> tent thing. And then he would do like the solar systems up there. So we learned like while being in space. So he made it so hands-on. It's interactive. And, yeah. And so yeah, interactive. Immersive. Immersive. And he yeah. gave us the freedom to think. He didn't tell us what to think, but he was teaching us how to think. So I had to go to Southern California. I do consulting for about eight different community colleges there. And I was teaching them about how to roll out maker spaces. Um, so it got me thinking about my favorite teacher. And so I was thinking about him. I'm all, I wonder if he still works there. He does. I went, I, I found his email and I emailed with him. So we're going to set up, we're going to have a coffee. Oh, cool. Yeah. He's not <laughs> at Teal anymore, but he's still around. Yeah. Still doing it. And I, and I sent him an email. I'm like, I don't know if you remember me. Uh, my name's Gary Baudet. I was in your class. I think I looked, the year was, uh, it was 90, 1994. I was in his sixth grade class. So yeah, we connected. I found his, uh, his email address. Nice. Um, so yeah, he's, he's still golfing and stuff, but we're going to set up and have a, have a coffee. Yeah. And I just told us like, Hey, I just want to tell you, Mr. You, you had an impact on me. Um, now when I try to teach, uh, when I'm doing business consulting or, or training professionals, um, you've inspired me to make everything interactive, make it decision based and to get people out of the classroom and to go do something, mm -hmm. um, to go actually look at the work. So, um, yeah, he's like, Hey, I'm still doing that. I'm, and he's like, I'm glad you recognize that because like, that's always been my thing. I always try to do it. So, um, it's interesting. Then I, I looked up this paper that was published. So it shows that, um, in academia, like the K through 12, if you teach kids that way, not only they get better test scores, so there's why there's scientific journals, there's multiple papers. So I'm like, then why isn't it mandatory that everyone teaches this way? Yeah, okay. it should be. That's how students enjoy it more. Um, the test results are better for even standardized testing because it gets what the paper was alluding to that I'm talking about was when you're exercising your brain like that, you are able to retain more information where you're actually thinking and it's, and it's fun. You're engaged. So you learn more. So I'm like, why isn't this the standard? I mean, some teachers are, are like that, but it was very few. Because then I try to think, who else was like Mr. Ewick? And not until I was in my master's classes um, that I really got that again. Oh, really? Yeah. So I don't know. Could you think of any teachers who were like super interactive and would put you into like a scenario and that's how you learned? I've never had any teachers like that, unfortunately. I mean, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. I had one. I was lucky enough yeah. to have one. Yeah in there so it doesn't seem like that'd be something that's too common no with, with How, teaching wouldn't you like to be in that yeah. class like that like i'm already sure. telling you about it. you're yeah. like yeah wow i wish yeah. i had that yeah, yeah i didn't have that so why not you know it, it's fun um so yeah that's a whole nother issue but uh, the, the good thing about education and community colleges now is they're working with me a lot i'm gonna go got asked to go speak at modesto junior college um at their it's ag. It's called Adapt or Die, mm -hmm. the conference that they're doing. So I'm gonna go talk. When is it here in a in a month or two? Or it's it's in it's next month. It's in February. I'm gonna mm -hmm. check my calendar. So that's they're they're open to learning, which is awesome. And there's such a disconnect. I don't know if you know about this between education and industry, where it's like we're education and we're going to teach what we want to teach. The output is gonna be a student. And there you go, industry. Now, here's what we had. It's a push system. Instead of industry telling colleges, here, teach these things, because this is what we will pay them once they're done with college. Oh, yeah. Right? They, they're not definitely not. It's not going that way right now, the way things are. I mean, that's for sure. You got all these guys that got degrees and stuff, and they're getting doors slammed <laughs> in their face. You know, there's, and I feel bad for the college students too. So I work in an internship program from Santa Slot State in Turlock, California. Um, and I, I'll do this mentorship where I'll let them interview with me. And it's mostly students that can't find a job. They have degrees, they're intelligent kids. They don't have any experience. And they're like, mm, I don't know what to do with this degree. Like, um, so just the degrees that are available might not be. Uh, the greatest for getting the type of jobs, but it's, you know, it's what their, their institution was offering. They're getting, they're getting better at it, but I just see some students who are really struggling. 
Um, not getting opportunity. It's like chicken before the egg though, too. Like, well, you don't have experience. Like, yeah, I don't have experience because no one's ever given me a shot. Everyone yeah. keeps telling me I don't have experience, which is good about the internship program. So that's what we're trying to provide for them. Give them some experience and actually the state and some federal funds actually pay for them. So they are getting paid some as they're interning. But without that, like, I, I guess, and it's more than just Stan State. It's a lot of different schools where would they even need that internship if the college was teaching them these things? No, they, w- they wouldn't. Right. That's so why like they just came up. At, internships just something else they had to come up with mm-hmm. to help these guys out. Yeah. They're just putting a Band-Aid over it. Over, they're not getting to the root of the problem, which you should. they should already have the hands-on training mm-hmm. while they're still in school. Right. The school should be providing that. There's so, yeah. some, and there's some of it too where the college graduates are like, "Hey, I, I should be making seventy thousand a year. I just look here's this piece of paper that says I'm a I have my bachelor's degree, and why are the jobs out there not willing to pay me that much? Like, who told you you're going to get seventy thousand? Yeah. Um, I had one seriously. They um, right after um, they got their bachelor's, they're like, "Yeah, I've been applying for jobs, can't get any. I'm like, "Oh, what kind of job you're applying for?" To be a plant manager, to be an ops manager. I'm like, what? Like, how are you? And they're being dead serious. Like, well, I have my degree. Like, I, you know, in operations management, I just got my bachelor's. So why can't I be an operational manager? Like, sorry, guy, that's not. Well, I got my driver's license, but I'm not going to go drive Formula One. (laughs) Right, right. So there's just kind of a disconnect. Um, So, yeah, you got to still put in the work. You have to gain experience. And a degree definitely helps get your foot in the door. Um, and I, I'm not trying to say that don't get a degree or anything. Uh, I have mine. I got my MBA and I'm really glad that I did. Um, but could it be more effective? Yes. I think education needs some continuous growth. I think they have to assess themselves, learn what's working, what's not, and look at their whole value stream of, you know, connecting with high school students, but also connecting with industry. And I think that's, they're kind of light in that department. But we're going to bring some people on the podcast who work in industry and also who work in education who we're working on fighting this problem with. Nice. So um, from the high school level, also from a college level. So there are some cool things that are being done about it. Um, Of course, I just wish it would go faster. That way things are are better right away. But we're getting there. So, um, yeah, some of the other guests that we're going to have on, we're going to have two medical doctors that will be on here and we're working on a pretty fun project. I don't know how much I could talk about it, but it's for, um, uh, man, how do I even say it? Um, a, a baseball league that's, uh, uh, pretty professional pretty well and the, yeah, pretty well known. <laughs> I don't, I don't know any other baseball leagues that are <laughs> like this. Um, but why I'm bringing this up is because uh, the athletes and what we're working on is continuous improvement for self. And um, they came up with a great system called CAD and um, it's really actionable. But what we're working on is, you know, athletes, um, baseball athletes, they, they had this sense about them. This is from interviewing and talking to some people who are, with the company that, um, you know, they have, um, they're scared to say that they're hurt or that they're having any, cause there's such a stigma like, Oh yeah. Um, they'll hide if they have depression or anxiety, because if that gets out, they don't want to have that affect, you know, how much they get paid or if they're going to be on a team, mm-hmm. because I was looking up, there's interesting studies. Some of these professional players now are going on the disabled list because of mental health issues. Wow. Yeah, and there was a guy who played for, I believe it was the Angels, two or three years ago. He ended up killing himself in a hotel room, and he had, had like a young child, and he just overdosed. So they're linking it to mental health, and um, they're kind of the baseball league I'm talking about is kind of getting a bad rep on just not doing enough enough about mental health. So I went on their website, and I'm like, let me see for myself. And I I went on as if I was a player. And just to see what resources and things were very reactive. Um, it was like, here's a video about depression. Like, that's it. They're trying to educate people on. 
instead of what is a system that could proactively engage players, get them, um, get them just internally focused and learning about themselves and learning how to live out their core values. So that's kind of, we're working on something, how to continuously improve, um, as a professional athlete. Now, the, the bigger scope of the professional athletes, they were talking about, well, yeah, those, the numbers that you use in the U S population, that probably doesn't affect us. Like we're athletes, we're professional. Like we don't have all those mental health problems like the rest of the population. Oh no, that was not true. We, there was some very good data that we provided them like, Oh wow. I think it would be worse. That's I, the data kind of showed that there's so much pressure on those guys to perform and you know, they're, they're making all this money. I'm sure there's family hitting them up for money. And oh, yeah. Like that That weighs heavy. For sure. And so then we started looking into, well, when are they most likely to be depressed? Well, imagine you get injured, have to have surgery. Now you're like, who's taking my job? Am I going to have a job? Am I going to recover fully? Like, you know, um, can I take care of my family still? Because this is my job. If I'm hurt, not making money, right, you have to be That's going through know. something. It's so It's yeah. so tough. And their careers are so short-lived. It's like, you know, what am I going to do after that? So a lot of it, too, a lot of the depression and anxiety is after they retire. And like, now what do I do? It's either you get into coaching or broadcasting. But other than that, like, what what is it? So getting to learn that you're more than just a baseball player, right? There's more to you than just playing baseball, that you're right. a person and you're unique and here are the things about you. So they get to take a, a core assessment to learn more about themselves. And um, we're making a roadmap for them, um, you know, using SOA's understanding how to, how to share information, how to um, organize themselves, how to improve on the things, how to lift out their core, how to get organized um, as far as when to do those things. And it just, it gets you activated. So if something doesn't go exactly how you plan, like you realize, Hey, you know, this is one part of my life, but there's more to it. And yeah. this is how I could best uh, prevent from going into that, that dark place. So I'm real excited uh, to be working on it. I've, um, Cause that's awesome, but we're also doing it. And I've told you this for schools. Oh, wow. That's awesome. For Santa sauce County office of education. So we're going to make it where teachers and counselors um, we'll, we'll walk a student through how to take their core values and we're going to help them map that to careers. Like if, if they one of their core values is working on teams and teamwork, then we, we could look at different careers where you're going to be a part of a team as opposed to maybe coding or being a programmer that's more individual. No, you work with others still in that. Um, right. So if one of your core values is adventure, and like being outside outdoors, not going to say, yeah, maybe you should find a job where you're inside all day typing on a computer. Maybe you should be uh, looking at things like a park ranger or, you know, whatever that is, a lifeguard, who knows? Yeah. So um, that's good because the kids nowadays, they don't know where to go. They don't know where There's to go. There's so much information coming at them every day, all day, you know, through the internet and their phone and they're seeing what so-and-so is doing, you know, oh, I want to try that. And I think if they figure out what their, what their core values are, mm-hmm. it'll point them in, in the right direction. Right. And there's different things, different ways to live out your core values. Um, and they're right. I, I heard a few, I've heard a lot of stories about how counselors, you know, high school career counselors helped them or didn't help them. I don't know if it's a conspiracy or what, but I just heard this one where, um, there's a girl senior. She took a core value assessment. I would say her dad's a doctor. So um, that's kind of the route that she's interested in. And she wants to go that route. But after she took a, a current assessment that they're using at schools before we put our stuff in there, basically told her she'd be great at working in supply chain logistics as a material uh, picker for basically for Amazon. Like you'd be great at, at being able to find uh, where things go and, is, was that funded by Amazon? That's what. That's a conspiracy. <laughs> I'm like, that is very strange. Like, wh- yeah, who you should work at Amazon? Yeah, yeah, you should be able to pull packages at Amazon, <laughs> like sponsored by Amazon. Like, so I don't know what they were using. Wow, I was kind of like, that is strange, and I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what they're using right now, but um, 
That doesn't seem very right. That doesn't seem right at all, man. Uh. So I don't know what other stuff's out there, but just giving counselors uh, the tools to even open up the dialogue. I don't know if I told you I, I drove with my with my niece and had her oh, do the core value. Yeah. yeah. So that was pretty cool. It was cool that she was babe. She was able to kind of you know talk to me about stuff that we normally wouldn't talk about. It's yeah. a dialogue opener, and so. Yeah, she's one test away from her diploma, and um, I sent her, it was like a week or two ago, I was just thinking about her, and I sent her a few different job applications that I found. One was for like veterinary, so she loves animals and loves being outdoors. I knew about the animals, I didn't know about the outdoors, um, but there's different, uh, there's this place where you do like dog training, where you, you know, obedient, so you're totally outside, so I'm like, oh, that's the best yeah. of both worlds, she should be able to be outside working with these animals. Um, and those are two things that she really enjoys. And so, yeah, she's going to apply for it. And I told her I'll help her with the resume, but I didn't, I didn't know that about her before. Like that's yeah. the thing she liked. So yeah, I'll keep everyone posted on that. Yeah. We talked about that in the very first podcast. Yeah. About just, yeah. Yeah. About her, go the back story. and check that out. Yeah. Check it out. And then, yeah, I'll keep everyone updated on the, on the story. So we're written for Marissa. She'll be, she'll be living at her core values here pretty soon. So that's great. Yeah. So other things that have been going on, um, is I did use soils, my first pilot that was last year, we got through the data. So where I, I made this training very actionable. Once we went through the training process, we're big on implementing. So the pilot that I did was for 14 supervisors, and this is a large corporate company. Um, they have places all over, but I did one of their locations. I did the, the training and implemented use soils. So they came to me and gave me the, the numbers. So I spent 24 hours with them. Um, so I met with them, what was it? Six different times, four hours each. And I trained them and they said with that amount, they were able to save $300,000. So based off of me and showing them the program for 24 hours. So what they paid me was, <laughs> it was not $300,000 no, <laughs> near that. It was a pilot. It was a very, very small amount. So I'll just say their return on investment was, yeah, about $295,000 on that ROI on that. <laughs> Um, so they're extremely happy. Um, and it was cool that they came up and their accountant and their plant manager was like, Hey, this and that is was just off one day. So it was, I met with them six different times. Uh -huh. So throughout the year, every other month I would spend four hours teaching them, but I would give them specific homework and actionables to do until I saw them the next time I was there. Okay. So okay. they, they implement it, but together we would come up with roadmap. So yeah, the first section I did kind of the understand and communication. Then the next session it was the eliminate waste, how to standardize things, but then I'd give them different homework. All right, now create standardized work. Here's the eight waste I want you guys to eliminate. And we would go out and do a tour called Gimba walks and we would pick different projects. Then we'd come back. All right, now we're going to work on organize it. Who's going to do what? When is it due? And kind of make them charters for how to do these things. Um, then we would learn and reflect, see what worked, what didn't. And then we, we kept going. We did different trials. Then we'd solve new problems. So I just walked it through the used soils. And they're extremely happy and a great group to work with. Um, but they they would follow it through. That's That's the biggest thing is when I leave a company, are they going to follow through on it? So to make sure that happens, I'm like, nope, come on, we're all going out together. We're getting out of the classroom. Here's the plan. This needs to be done by this date. And we, we create the plan together. Um, and we're going to go talk to the team members. It can't just be only leaders in the room. Like, let's get the people are doing the work. So I, yeah. I coached them on the speaking section, how to go and talk to an employee, how to ask them good questions, how to involve them. So, um, it was, I have other now use soils programs in the works. I just don't have all the deliverable, uh, results on, but they're going great because I'm, I'm improving the program too, based yeah. off of the pilot, what I learned, what worked, what really worked, um, what could be improved on getting You're using your own program to improve your yeah. own program basically for sure. Yeah. 
So that's a that was an exciting one for the small investment. I'm like, dang, maybe I'm not charging enough. Just kidding. <laughs> like percent, but uh, it's definitely good when you have a, a good group and a shared vision, and everyone wants to definitely uh, improve themselves. And then how how I told them it's going to improve them is because if you're on this project, you're one of the 14 people who are in my pilot program and you helped get these results, like that's pretty cool to put on your resume. I was on a project team. Oh, yeah. We helped improve, you know, $300,000. And what that was, where how that $300,000 came about, it was the quality improvements, the productivity improvements, and making more things efficient. So they had a lot of temps beforehand. They don't need those, those temps anymore. Um, but since they're growing, it's not like they just let people go. They, they found other spots for them, which is awesome. That's the goal is to grow your business. So you don't eliminate ways to get rid of employees. You eliminate ways to have them do more value added things. That way you could grow your business. Right. So as they're growing now, they don't have to hire outside people just yet, but they're able to keep what they have and be able to produce more. But as they're growing, they're going to have to bring in more people, um, but they're going to bring them into systems that are efficient and where uh, the group could learn from each other. You could have ideas as a new employee. So we're really big on that, asking the experts, getting their ideas. It's not that I saved $300,000, you know, together we did, but how we saved it was using the Use Soils roadmap. So it's pretty awesome. That is. That's cool to hear. Yeah. So other than that, is there anything else going on? <laughs> no, not that I'm aware of. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to keep um, rolling on, on projects. Um, I think we're going to have, I know we're going to have some guests coming up. They're going to talk about how they fit into use soils and the things that they're doing, the problems that they're trying to solve uh, with some of their innovative ways of approaching things, whether it's tools or products. Um, from training and education standpoint, having different entrepreneurs on here, that way they could share some lessons learned, how to be successful. Um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to, to having them on. Yeah, should be should make for some cool shows. Yeah, and um, if anyone needs to get a hold of me, it's Gary at BCILean. That's Gary, G-A-R-Y, at B like boy, C like cat. I like igloo or L like Larry E like elephant a like I'm gonna say alien and then <laughs> N like Nancy. So Gary at bcilean.com. The website is bcilean.com. Joey, you want to share your information? My information. I don't, I don't divulge. <laughs> yeah. You could reach us. You, you can reach, me. you could reach me through Gary if you really wanted to <laughs> want to reach out. So. So awesome. And yeah, everyone have a, have a great rest of your day.